and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How's it going over there? Well, let me... I'll introduce our guest in a second. <laughs> uh, no, our guest is um, silence on the other end of the table. It's, it's nice. I don't know why we had to set up a mic for that, but uh, um, yeah, so... No guests this week. Uh, no, to the uh, um, no uh, to the pleasure of okay of two listeners. Three, three. Yeah, unless it was all the same guy. It's I, entirely possible. I don't possible. know that the guy who tweeted me was different from the guy who emailed me. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, thanks for your opinions. Yeah. Um, your emails and tweets were. Exactly the reason we don't have a guest this week, because we are always at the beck and call of the listener. Didn't I tell you? We had a a guest scheduled. We did, yes. And she showed up, and we were like, you know what? Get out of here. You're done. The listeners have spoken. You're out on your ass. Um, And we kept her car keys, oddly enough. Just... (laughs) She's she's right on. She's yeah. looking. She's got her face like cupped up to the like her hands cupped to the window. Yeah, it's quite adorable. Um, no, of, yeah, of, of course. Obviously, we don't have a guest because that's what the listeners want. Okay, let me get. Okay, so did you cut out the? Uh, you and I talked about. Uh, we had a, a similar rant to this last week. Did you cut that out? Yeah. Okay. I cut it out because it was mean. I don't feel like so, I'm being mean this week. I'm saying I guess you're, the y- nicest things in the world that our guests have so much say over what we do with the show and what we plan week to week. The listeners, you mean? I mean, yeah, the listeners, rather. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they might as well be our, our producers. But David, here's the thing, is that <laughs> you and I both have said, like, man, we're having a lot of guests. And I don't know if you left the uh, explanation in, but basically, we had booked a lot of guests and... All the chickens came home to roost at once, basically. Yeah. Well, here's part of it was my fault because we did our live show. We did our uh, live show in June. It was mm. great um, at the beginning of June. Uh, mm. But back in March, we had had, you know, we we were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel when it came to our ros- roster. Uh, <laughs> that's not. What if they that's hear not that? What I meant. Okay. We had great guests. Yes. But. Uh, what I meant is that we didn't have any wiggle room. That is true. If that, those people had said no, it's not that they were a last resort, but no. if they had said no, we're out of you know out of yeah, luck. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I didn't mean scraping the bottom of the barrel with the actual guests. Yes. Um, oh, you know what? Here's what I, I did mean: scraping the bottom of the barrel. But the thing is, our barrel of guests, the uh, the quality is constant. It's a constant okay. quality density all the way through. Okay, fair enough. So whether it's from the bottom or the top. Okay. It's the same quality. Right. It's just that we didn't have anywhere else to go. We didn't like to have a lot of repeat guests on right. the live shows. Um, so we were kind of at the last few no. guests that we hadn't had before. Um, and, they, and, they, and they were great. Um, you, may, you made me feel so bad for saying that. Sorry. Um, but I do understand that it came out the wrong way. <laughs> um, and so, Take that, Michelle Balloon. <laughs> uh, well, she, yeah, she was she was great. She's the exception. Of the world. I mean, the rest of them were terrible. Yeah. Uh, Suck it, Bruce. <laughs> um, but um, so I kind of panicked because I was like, "We got a, we're going to keep doing these live shows, and we don't have a roster. We don't have a d- very deep bench anymore." So I started sending emails and Facebook messages <laughs> to everyone. And yeah, they all came home to Rouge at the same time, so we just had a whole yeah. slew. And that's with like, <laughs> there's like three people that canceled. That like, yeah, we could have gone almost to August without. 
uh, without a break in the guest episodes. And it was, and it's interesting because, uh, so like I, so you got all all those people, and I remember when I got Lorraine Newman, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is very exciting. Hey, hey David, I got a guest. <laughs> meanwhile, you had uh, secured, I'm going to say 12. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, but, you know, and that's the thing is, is uh, while David is being facetious about uh, listener response to the number of guest episodes, uh, it is no, true that the, I the, myself. The, the, the response, I'm not being facetious. It was very heartfelt. It did not fall on deaf ears. We will, we will <laughs> deal with your tone in a moment. <laughs> My tone is nothing but pleasant. <laughs> Pure, Donald Pleasant? <laughs> My tone is as thick with pleasance as our guest barrel is with quality. <laughs> well, this is all taking a sexual tone. Um, but, it's, weird, uh, it's weirdly viscous. <laughs> but, uh, and also, I will say this, that uh, having guest episodes, especially uh, the way in which we recorded them, uh, allowed me to take... Because I, I got really sick, mm-hmm. and uh, it allowed me to take a couple of weeks off because we had some, uh, yeah. you know ready but uh but yeah so but that's the thing is that you know when we have a guest the tone of the show does change uh as far as when it comes to um the type of movie discussions we can have and you know uh talking about Murnau uh, about a month ago was very it was invigorating and i really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it and so i kind of miss i i'll admit that even i sort of missed uh the type of conversations that we have when it's just you and me and so, um, of course, I loved uh, all of our guests. You know, I enjoyed those. But, uh, David, back to work. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of guests, I, wanted, I want to announce something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. these, these won't be regular episodes. They'll be non-canonical. That's you, right. You yeah. don't have to download them. Unlike the regular numbered episodes, where you, which you are required to download and listen to, even if you're not interested in the guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I understand, you know, these emails. Um, <laughs> there was no way around it. These people had to listen to the episodes, and therefore they had to email us. They felt compelled. I don't blame them. You know, how, how is it that I, the I roles have, how have the roles switched where you're the one <laughs> who is, like, so just tied up in knots about these things, <laughs> and I'm just go with the flow? Well, actually, I know exactly how that happened, but I, I'll, well, that's, not for the, that's not for the microphone. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, um, well, I'll, I guess I'll wait. I'll take my answer off air. Um, no, we're gonna have. Um, we've had uh, Pilar Alessandra from the uh, On the Page podcast on a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been on her show a couple of times. Yep. And we've had an idea to have her back on a more regular basis. Some bonus episodes. This idea. This is the kind of idea where you come up with a name and then reverse engineer the actual format. So here's what here's 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 what's going to happen. I want you, the listener, to send to me David at battleshipretention.com. Don't don't uh, inundate Tyler with these. Email to me at David at battleshipretention.com. Any relationship or sex advice questions you might have. Nothing too heavy, you know. This isn't. I don't want to be Savage Lover Doctor Drew over here, mm-hmm. you know. Fun relationship sex advice questions. Uh, we will have Pilar on the show to answer them, uh, and she will make her. She will find uh, filmic correlations. She will make her movies or answers movie relevant. Mm-hmm. And the uh, these bonus episodes 
will be called Pillar Talk. <laughs> it's it, it's a horribly try to guess who came up with this whole thing. Horribly strained pun on Pillow Talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's all the more funny because of how awkward and inelegant it is. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't explain why things are funny, but this is just I, now I'm trying very to, funny to me. I'm trying to... But I mean it. This is a serious thing we're doing. This yes. isn't just some dumb idea that we had. Right. We are going to do this. We're going to see this dumb idea all the way through, and Pilar is, being, is, a, is, a, is a great sport, and we basically, I mean, just more excuses for us to hang out with Pilar, which is always fun. That's true. Always yes. fun. She's a, a charming lady. And you get more excuses to uh, hear her sultry voice on the podcast. Absolutely. Um... And yes, thank you for specifying that uh, that she will incorporate uh, discussion of movies into her answer because I'm sure there were some listeners who may or may not have emailed in the past. Uh, they were like, "What? What? What does this have to do with movies? This is yeah. this show is changing." Yeah, but no, she's a screenwriting uh, guru. Yeah, and so yeah, she'll of course incorporate. But uh, if, movies when these episodes it. come out and you have complaints about them. Please email us and tweet us your complaints. We love hearing your constructive criticism. Leave me out of this, <laughs> you know. Man, oh man. So, um, Such a role reversal. Um, I never thought I would be go with the flow. But I'm not angry. I'm, I'm being perfectly pleasant here. Ugh. <laughs> all right. So here's okay. A- uh, um, all right, let me just show you behind the curtain a little bit. I'm being very, very sarcastic today. And that's going to play into um, our sort of pre-show topic. Right. But I also, before we get to that, let's put that on hold. Another thing I want to real quick mention. If you're going to be at San, Di- San Diego Comic-Con International 2011 in San Diego, California, July 20th through 24th, if you're going to be there on Thursday night um, and you want to come have a drink with me from Battleship Pretension... Because Tyler won't be there. And I don't think any of our writers are going. Um, no one has said anything. Is Kyle going? Anyway. I don't know if he's going or not. He might. Um, so at least me, David, from Battleship Retention, and at least Ryan Gallagher from Criterion Cast, we're going to do a, a joint sort of meetup um, at the Tipsy Crow, which is where we had our meetup last mm-hmm. year. It's a great, great place. Uh, so that'll be Thursday after the end of the day program, so about... About eight PM, mm-hmm. you know, come have some good food and some, some, some good drinks at the Tipsy Crow and uh, hang out with me and Ryan. I wish I, I wish I could be there, but a couple of my jerk friends decided to get married uh, without consulting the calendar for which day is which weekend is Comic Con. Yeah, it's which crazy. I know you would never, ever do that, right? Like, that's your big event of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't get married the weekend of Comic Con. And you'd have to be pretty high up in the hierarchy for me to go to your wedding if it were the weekend of Comic-Con. What if it was me? Yeah, well, you're already married. But yes, I would go to your wedding instead of Comic-Con. And I would go to probably any of my siblings' weddings. Okay. Um, I'd go to my girlfriend's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's about it, though. Okay. Kind of frustrated. I thought I was higher up than your siblings, but that's all right. You were mentioned first. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, you mentioned being sarcastic, and uh, you and I—it was my—it was—it was my idea to talk about this on the show because it is something that struck me as, as very interesting. Um, 
So I'm sure this this is going to start out as, out as a, a television thing. Uh, I'm sure many of you saw the uh, not so much the finale, the mid season, the mid season finale of South Park. Of South Park. And uh, I had heard a little bit about it, and then I saw it, and then you mentioned that you saw it, and I thought it was a very effective episode of South Park, which I I never think about it, at, but I watch every episode, and I love South Park. I think it's a great show, cons- and has been consistently great, I think, um, if not, you know, I think better been, than it used to be. Yeah, I, I think it's more, uh, those some of those early episodes I don't even like very much. Yeah. And so the, uh, so I thought it was a really good episode, and I thought it was very effective uh, because it was very, uh, un- it ended in a way that was very unlike their usual thing. But David, it was uh, you know eye opener for you. Yeah, and part of this is because of, um, you know, I joked um, a few weeks ago when Emily Maya Mills was on the show about how <laughs> tempting it is to just be an internet troll all the time. Yep. Be, um, and I, like I said, it was a joke. But I do tend to get, especially more and more these days, a lot of um, tweets, I guess, that make me think that I'm being too negative. Um, I said something about... Uh, I said something about how about a really dumb scene in X Men First Class, um, which is it really. If you've seen the movie, it's uh, a scene involving Rose Byrne and some lingerie, and it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said as much, and then this, and then some people argued with me. We had a little discussion. I got into a discussion um, with Devinder from Slash Film on Twitter about it. That was that I thought was very interesting. Um, but then one guy was like just almost like pleading with me he was like don't don't get your misery all over x-men first class he clearly loves the movie and clearly associates me with someone who gets my misery all over things mm-hmm. and it was about this like, it was a, like i think maybe a few days after i had gotten around to finally watching that south park that i got that tweet and it really those two things sort of in in confluence mm-hmm. made me think about who i am and what my um outlook on things is and am i uh for the i guess there are probably listeners who didn't see that south park episode um stan turns 10 and um everything uh starts to sound and look like shit to yeah. him and he is diagnosed with being a cynical asshole <laughs> and his friends don't want to hang out with him anymore because he can't stop talking about how shitty everything looks and sounds mm-hmm. and um i started to fear that i had some of that and I think you know we had this. That was at the time we had the discussion. You pretty succinctly talked me out of feeling like of being afraid of that. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Um, oh man! In retrospect, I should have said like, "Yeah, you're really it's becoming a problem." <laughs> but I think um, another thing I was thinking recently. I think basically I get I get really cynical, but then once I see a movie or whatever. I go in with an open mind. Mm. Like it all seems to wipe it wipe clean once the lights go down, and then I'm just starting with a blank slate. Okay, but things don't sound good to me anymore when they're described to me. Uh, not all the time, but 
like a lot of people are excited about an upcoming Steven Spielberg movie called War Horse. Mm-hmm. And the the premise just sounds so stupid to me. I actually don't know the premise and I haven't watched uh, I haven't watched the trailer yet. Um basically there's a kid who has a horse and the horse gets sort of I guess I don't know what the horse equivalent is of getting drafted is, but it's during World War One. The army needs horses, and his horse becomes an army horse, and then so he joins the army and fights in World War One for the specific purpose of trying to track down his horse. Okay, I could tell from looking at your face that I'm not alone. That sounds really stupid, right? I don't know if I'd say stupid. I am trying to come up with a with a reference to that uh, an old Disney movie called Gus about a mule that gets drafted onto a, a football team because he can <laughs> kick footballs really well. That's a real thing. But here's the thing. You know think that's the fu- m- most valuable primate where the, <laughs> where the monkey plays hockey? Hockey, hockey monkey. <laughs> Why was it not called that? I don't know. But it, that was probably the working title, and then some somebody who I have to assume has been fired said, "Let's go with MVP, Most Valuable Primate," and someone else. Get it? It's clever. It's clever. And then like, someone's like, "Yeah, I guess so." And then of course it failed, and it's like, "Oh, we should have stuck with Hockey Monkey." Yeah, clever isn't always better. Oh, absolutely. But uh, you know, that song "Louie Louie" by by the the Kingsman is that who did that song? Ooh, I don't know. I think so. Anyway. That song's not very clever. It's pretty simple. Right. One of the greatest songs of all time. Damn right. But yeah, uh, that's... It's just like uh, Hockey Monkey is the greatest... About the greatest movie <laughs> title I've ever heard. But yeah, that, uh, that plot for War Horse, I'm sure that it will be executed... I bet it will be executed very well. Uh-huh. Damn. It's a shame that we're not going into the topic. Are, aren't we? Can't we? I guess so. We're already so. 17 minutes into the show. I guess so, but I, I like the idea of talking a bit more about... Uh, cynicism and and okay. that sort of thing and and you know i so war horse sounds terrible to you and admittedly doesn't sound great to me either um and you know another one that the reviews have been great and i i definitely want to see it it's pretty high up on my list lots of people that i trust critics that i trust have said good things but this movie attacked the block i've heard a lot of good things yeah yeah but when i heard about what it was about it just made me roll my eyes Alien invasion, right? And, like, British kids are fighting them? Yeah, but specifically British, like, um, I can't remember what they're called there, but the the equivalent of the projects. Oh, okay. Essentially, aliens land in the projects, and it just seems like uh, it could be patronizing or trying too hard. These are all the words that came to my mind when I heard the premise. But everyone says it's really good, and I'm excited to see it. But still, what is it in me that wants to look for the worst in... The potential of a thing. Well, I think it just... Having been burned too many times? It might be that, and it also might have to do with feeling like you're being manipulated. You know, and that to me is is, is always what gets gets my ire up, is when I feel like there's a certain cynicism on the part of the studio, mm-hmm. and that like, okay... Like, yeah, whatever, we know this isn't that good, but if we f- have enough of this or have enough of that, whether it be explosions or a certain type of, you know, I mean, it's in the fall Oscar movie season, like everything about Precious until I saw the movie 
everything about Precious made me be like, seriously? Like, yeah. this is infuriating to me now. Because yeah. it looked like they literally incorporated every single thing but the from, thing is, the sh- from the channel of Lifetime, the network yeah. of Lifetime. But the thing is, the movie does have all that stuff. It's just done well. And again, we'll get to it's that. It's done, surpri- yeah. But, uh, and so, so as far as cynicism, like, I don't know, it's, because it's difficult because you don't want to just be, as they say in South Park, you don't want to be a, just a cynical asshole where you see, and that's the difference between, and I, th- I think this, is, this might be what I said to you, I don't remember what I said, but like the difference between you and Stan is that Stan sees everything as shit mm-hmm. f- from like video games to, to, all con- f- to all movies, to all kinds of music. To what people to what people themselves will say, and that's and I don't think that's you, but I know that there are some people, and I think I think it can happen on the internet where it's I don't know it's I think it's better emotionally to just act as though you see through everything and not commit to it than commit to something and be shown wrong in front of everybody. Like if you say, yeah. you know, if there was someone who said. It's like, you know, I really think Green Lantern's going to be great, and then it turns out to be crap. Then you, you're you out there. Your opinion's out there, and someone could come back and yeah. say, you're the one that thought it was going to be great. It's like, yeah, yeah I didn't see it. And, but, and weirdly, there's more credibility if it goes the other way. Like, there's more credibility in saying something's going to be terrible, mm-hmm. and it ends up being terrible, than... I can't remember what I was saying. But then saying, like, saying something's terrible, and then it ends up being being good mm-hmm. isn't that big a risk because you can just say oh what do you know they pulled it off yeah but it's more yeah it's you're more vulnerable if you put their, yourself out there as being excited about something and, and i'd say especially that's... on the internet like okay. in the geek yeah. community in general but especially on the internet um incidentally there is a there's been a series of uh i don't know what you'd call them monologues by tom frank on the paul gobel show uh-huh. about what it means to be a geek and they've been uh-huh. doing it for the last few weeks, and they're very good. They're very well written, and they're funny, but they're also kind of true. And um, and yeah, just the I think there seems to be. I and I I don't know. I would say that like there's the kind of cynicism that a person comes by naturally, and I feel like that is an okay. That's an okay thing, because chances are they'll be cynical enough to see through a studio's you know, bullshit or manipulation. But then there's the kind of cynicism that a person that I think many of us probably had in our teenage years where we act as though we see through everything when in fact we so desperately want things to be good, but we can't, we can't put ourselves out there and be vulnerable. And so, and that feels just as phony as anything that a studio would do. And so I think that's, I don't know. I think that's the different, I think that's why you're not like Stan. Not that I think it's put upon for him, but that, you don't claim to see through everything. You just, and there's an intense hope for you to that something is good. And even I though War so, Horse yeah. sounds terrible, I'm sure you're open to it being good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I am. Okay. I, you know, I just had this thought. You and I were talking beforehand. We were talking about Captain Amer- Captain America, the movie coming out, mm. and I like. But I think about it, I like, rolled my eyes, and I remembered like, wait, I want, I have high hopes for this movie. I like mm-hmm. Joe Johnston. I like Captain America, and I think it's. The manipulation, manipulation thing that you talk about. I think if I've known about a movie for more than three months and it still hasn't come out, I'm sick of it. Yeah, you had a tweet about that with Captain America specifically. Oh, yeah, I Which did. I thought was very funny. Um, 
yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe my cynicism. I'm glad we're getting. I'm glad we didn't move on. We're getting to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. My cynicism has more to do with being advertised at, which yeah. is probably my least favorite thing about life. Yeah, in the United States is the especially Los Angeles the constant advertising. That's one thing that I I know and longtime listeners will know that I mostly jokingly but often kind of made fun of the fact that Tyler lived in the Valley and I lived in Los Angeles proper. Mm-hmm. I've lived in the Valley for just over a year now, or a year and two months almost, and um, I love it so much. I love the Valley, and it's not that it's free of billboards, but there are so fewer billboards you've just felt your cynicism here. melting away well not really <laughs> but then there are in hollywood you know oh yeah especially i take like laurel and Coldwater <coughs> and, and mulholland to work and there's like there's no billboards on those roads yeah at all it's wonderful it's great yeah it's yeah i think that's and and of course when talking about having something just you know having a a movie shoved down your throat Naturally, of course, we think of of uh, summer blockbusters and such, but it can happen in the fall as well with "quote unquote" prestige films, where mm-hmm. it's just like this fall, you know, <laughs> like the feel good mo- or whatever. And uh, and any time, like no studio, whether it claims to be indie or not, is immune to well, we want people to see it, mm-hmm. and we can't. We can't market this to everybody, but we can market it if we market it just right to the crowd that consider them considers themselves, you know, kind of artsy. Then we'll get their money, yeah. and uh, yeah, that level of cynicism I would say is quite healthy. So it occasionally works on me, though. Does it? The um, the poster campaign for the for um, uh, where the wild things are. Oh yeah, really worked on me because it's clearly like. Theoretically, it's a kid mo- kids movie, but I think they knew they didn't really have a kids movie on their hand, mm-hmm. and they aimed it at sort of uh, I don't know what the word is, but people like me, my age, and it and it really worked. Uh, I just okay, so I I signed up to go to the screening of Winnie the Pooh uh, uh-huh. next week because I I watched Winnie the Pooh when I was a kid, and if you watch the trailer, you see that. It's hand-drawn animation, but in that old style, and uh, the, and the voice work is is pretty similar, and it, it looks like they're trying to capture that tone with a cut. But of course, that's just what it looks like. But that trailer is about as manipulative as it can get of people my age, because like no one would watch that trailer. I'll show. I don't know if you have you seen the no. trailer. For, okay, I'll show you after we record. Okay. It incorporates a song that no child would ever listen to. And you realize, oh, this is meant to what pull song? heartstrings. The Christopher Robin song by uh... <laughs> no, <It's, laughs> who is that? Uh, Kenny Loggins? Who is, is it? I don't know. Is it Kenny Loggins? I don't know. I don't remember. Damn it. That's it. Seems like it would be yeah. Kenny Loggins, but um, but no, it's it, I don't know the name of the song, but it's uh, the chorus is like somewhere only we know or something like that. Do you know the song? Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll probably know it when you hear it, but. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything about it is nostalgia for people. It's like, well, kids can't be nostalgic. Oh, right, I can. And son of a bitch, it's getting me. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I want to be cynical about it, but damned if I uh, am just like, oh, rabbit, poo, I want to go see my old friends. <laughs> so anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Um, well, let's get in. Let's get into it, Indeed. shall we? We've we've teased it. It's now 27 minutes into the oh, into the show. Sorry, um, everybody. At least we don't have a guest, right? Yeah. Um, 
our topic has to do with okay. Last night I watched a movie, uh, a Stuart Gordon film, um, written by David Mamet based on his play called Edmund, mm-hmm. starring William H Macy and an amazing cast. Yeah, have you seen it? I, no, I've been I, talking about it like since I got here, and I never never thought to ask you if you'd seen it. I, I kind of assumed uh, you had. No, I uh, I actually hadn't because I had heard bad things. But by and large, uh, critics don't like it. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and but here's the thing, Stuart Gordon. The man-made reanimator. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his job as a director <coughs> on Edmund was... Uh, he acquitted himself admirably. Mm-hmm. He did a very good job as a director. I have n- almost no problems with the craft of mm-hmm. the movie. But I hated the movie because I disagree with everything in it <laughs> pretty okay. much. Um and so, if we're going to get together once a week and pretend to be critics, um, and on our website every day, pretend to be critics, um, we should look at what we value and what we're actually critiquing. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to talk about the, the, the twin sort of pillars, content and craft. Okay. And uh, the way that they... I guess is there a sliding scale? Do you can you forgive a film for being shoddily made if you like the content? And I think that you and I have both said we can, yeah. both in terms of comedy and in and in other things. You know, um, you know. I just watched recently watched um, a movie I had sadly never seen before. I'm so glad I did. Called The Young Girls of Rochefort, uh, directed by Jacques Demy, starring Catherine Deneuve and and um, Gene Kelly and a bunch of other people I should probably know. Um, and I loved it. It's, uh, it would easily end up in my top hundred movies of all time at this point, mm. and probably pretty high as well. Um, but from a craft standpoint, uh, in terms of musical making, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not perfectly choreographed. Um, Catherine Deneuve is, is lovely as she is to gaze upon. It's not a perfect dancer. You know, there are some, there are some like thin spots in mm-hmm. it in terms of craft, but that doesn't bother me at all. In fact, it might even add to the charm of the movie in a way. Um, and I, uh, so in, in, in those terms, uh, craft can take a back seat, but does it work the other way? Can a movie with content that you disagree with, um, be, can you say it's good because of the craft? And again, I will let you talk in a second, but I, this is my idea for topics. I want to lay out my whole thing first. Please do. And I feel like I don't necessarily have that because I've been thinking a lot lately with all the talk about um, on, on, on Twitter and, and stuff about how term, uh, term, uh, Transformers 3 is the best of the series so far. I've never seen any of the Transformers movies, but um, uh, you know, I've made this point many times that I think Michael Bay is an auteur in mm. the, you know, most honest textbook definition of the word. He is an auteur. And so from a craft standpoint, I actually kind of respect what he does. Um, I have some problems with it. I'm not saying he's the greatest craftsman, mm-hmm. but he's worth talking about as a craftsman. But it doesn't, I can't like his movies because I hate the content so much so often. You right. know, I mean, most 
egregiously Pearl Harbor, but even in, in, I mean, Bad Boys 2 also has some stuff that I really find just disgusting, you know, and, um, and just, uh, the, all, all his movies really have some stuff that I find objectionable, either in terms of morals or just in terms of intelligence in the, in their content. Do you ever see the Island? Yeah. The first half of that before, before admittedly, it turns into Michael before it turns into a Michael, <laughs> ba- yeah, exactly. Um, that's actually, <coughs> excuse me. That's actually pretty good. I remember watching that and thinking like, wow, Michael Bay has really taken, taken a but turn. But even then, like the Steve Buscemi character, like, are we supposed to find this guy like charming or likable? He's like, he's disgusting. Yes. Yeah. But, but he's uh, like, uh, I, yeah, I feel like he's supposed to be sort of like know. a comic relief, like a, and that's Michael Bay. This is a little bit off topic, but I think. I might be able to forgive his movies, other stuff, if it weren't for his sense of humor, which mm. is almost without fail based on ethnic stereotypes. Like, in everything, like, it's always some black character going, oh, hell no, you know? Or I don't like, know why you went to Hillbilly with it, but I understand what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just don't do that accent, <laughs> or dialect, rather, uh, very well. Um, and I think... Um, isn't there a thing in the first Transformers? Did you see it? Yeah. Where in the middle of a firefight, um, who's the guy who's in it? Who's on that show, Las Vegas? Who's in these movies? Josh not, Dum- not Dumal. Not Timothy Oliphant. Right, yeah, yeah. Josh Dumel, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like trying to get a hold of the base and he gets put on with like customer service and it's like some Indian guy in this sort of Indian yeah. accent. And... Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That uh, I know this is a little off topic, but that that kind of stuff I cannot forgive. Why? Other races are funny. They don't <laughs> talk like us, right? You're right. You're right. I hey. take it all back. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, back to back to the question. So the question, okay, so now okay. I want you... I've taken on both sides okay. and to- said that I can forgive craft in, terms of, in, in favor of content, but not necessarily the other way around. How do you feel? And please provide examples. <laughs> and show your work. <laughs> uh, incorporate the question into your answer. Um, which I was always bad at doing. But the... Yeah, I'd say I'm very much the same. Uh, uh, an example of a movie that, as far as craftsmanship, it's, it's, it's adequate. The most it will ever be is adequate. Um, but I'm a big fan of the content. Is uh, The Big Kahuna... Mm-hmm. which is also incidentally based on a play uh and it's got kevin spacey and danny devito and it's just it's it's three characters just talking which many and to the director's credit he never makes that boring considering it all takes place in one room um the three-act structure is obviously there uh by by which i mean three acts of, in a play uh it's all there you can tell where the first act is over and here comes the second um but it's always interesting, and so he doesn't do anything to work against the content, but he certainly doesn't do anything to enhance a content like, say, a James Foley uh, with Glengarry Glen Ross. But, uh, but that's a movie that just, I'm so fascinated in what these characters are doing and what they're talking about that I, it's, it's just, as long as, the, as long as the craftsmanship doesn't get in the way, I, then I'm a fan of it. That's really mm-hmm. all I care about. Um, and I know that there are probably, you know, some people back at school who uh, would have said that was a uh, that was dumb? That was that's a dumb attitude to have. 
that you might as well just go see a play. What's the point of having uh, cinematography and editing and, and incorporating music yeah. if it's just going to be basically people talking? Why not just go to a freaking reader's theater or something? And Can so, I interject again just another example? Um, and this will... Uh, I know Ryan Johnson has a lot of fans on the internet and among us, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? He he directed Brick, which is as close to a perfect movie as I've ever seen in my life. But he did an episode of Breaking Bad, the best show currently on television, um, last season called – it was either called Fly or The Fly. I think just Fly. That um, A lot of people liked it, but it was what you're talking about. It was essentially a bottle episode. I don't know if people know that terminology because these are movie fans, not TV fans. Mm-hmm. But a bottle episode is one where you have – it's done to save money. You have – no guest stars and only shoot on existing sets, you know, mm. no location shoot shooting. And so almost the entirety of the episode was Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul in a room. Oh. Um, and it was a fantastic script, but occasionally Ryan Johnson would sort of elbow his way into it with some, with a, a camera move or what have you that called attention to itself. And it would, and as I know, I know I'm in the minority. People loved this episode. It's a lot of people's favorite episode of the season. Um, that stuff really bothered me. And so I know exactly what you're talking about because Fly, I think, would have been, possibly would have been my favorite episode of the season if Ryan Johnson had kind of stepped back. Well, what I'll say is, you know, I, I don't think that every, you know, chamber piece or every play that, you know, is turned into a movie, I don't think it, or it, ha- it takes place in one location like a Sleuth or a American Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it needs to be, made in the same way as the big kahuna but i will say unless you're willing to be james foley glengarry Glen ross i think is the best example of uh a play not a musical uh, a play being turned into a movie and making that transition beautifully uh, seamlessly i would say now i'm trying to think of other examples who's afraid of virginia wolf that's a good one that's a good one yeah definitely i know um but yeah, just his use of, you know, all the things that make... Well, Baz Luhrmann's William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... You can always tell... And that's the thing is, I like American Buffalo. I think it's well done. But from time to time, you can tell that, like, the filmmaker doesn't seem to have a lot of... No, he has faith in the material, but feels like, ah, people are going to get bored. And it's like, no, they didn't get bored when they saw it on stage. And I understand it's a different animal. I get it. But, like, you don't need to incorporate a lot of a certain type of cutaway shot or or whatever. You don't have to do that. Um, And the director of uh, American Buffalo, Michael Carrenti, I believe, um, it's, it's by and large a good movie. But he feels the need to almost apologize for the content with the craftsmanship. And I feel like that bothers me much more. And it sounds like that's what Ryan Johnson did with this episode, uh, which I've not seen. But um, hey, you haven't seen any Breaking Bad, have you? No, I haven't. It's it's something that I know. Like it, like oh so God, many like, other shows. Less than a month until the season four premiere. Oh man, I better get to it. I'm not going to watch the season four premiere because uh, you know it's I got things to do. I got other things to watch. Um, I probably should ask. I'm worried that I will forget. If I don't ask it now, have you watched Bird, uh, Boardwalk Empire? Um, no, I have not watched Boardwalk Empire. You haven't? Okay. I've like I've heard good. You know, it's interesting. I've heard good. Uh, this is so off topic. I'm sorry, everybody. And I was talking with this about uh, talking about this with um, friend I think of the we show. We do that a lot. We make that mistake a lot. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, 
but I was talking with friend of the show Jason Eakin about this. The Boardwalk Empire, it, it sounds very good. Everything about it seems like the kind of show I would enjoy. Um, and it gets a lot of critical accolades and it gets awards and that's fine. Um, and in spite of the presence of Steve Buscemi in a lead role mm-hmm. and the just the concept sounds good, there's no burning desire in me to see it. It just it doesn't seem to have the push of of the Sopranos. It, like even the, even the critical accolades, they all say like this is really great. <laughs> if you feel like see, like they won't say go see it. They'll say if you happen to see it, you'll enjoy it. Like it, right. that seems to be the tone. It's a very it's it's very strange the way that show is considered to be one of the best on TV, but there seems to be no real. cultural response to it like there was to certainly the sopranos and then to a much lesser extent the wire and deadwood and and uh, dexter i would say is another one and that sort of thing but um dexter is definitely that was a cultural thing caught on and it still is it's still on um sopranos by the way if i'm being as objective as possible mm -hmm. trying to step outside myself as much as possible sopranos i think is probably the greatest tv show that has ever been uh, yeah, I'd say that's about right. I mean, of course, I don't know enough about TV. I'm sure there are some people who would probably in a knee-jerk way say MASH or something like that. But Sopranos is pretty solid. We'll My talk favorite about- TV show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever mentioned that on the show before. But I think The Sopranos is objectively the greatest thing that's ever happened on television. <laughs> oh, so now we've moved to the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moon landing, that's out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. No, it's the greatest serialized fictional television show of all time. And you're so you're including comedy in that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So sorry to go off on on that tangent, but uh, but yeah. So unless uh, unless the uh, unless the craftsmanship is just straight up incompetent, and even, like all except imperfect. Incompetent, of course, it's just like, okay, the movie Geely is bad for a lot of reasons, but with that script, it could have, there are moments in that script that are great, and if the execution had been different, I know, like, it certainly wouldn't have been viewed as the travesty that it is. Yeah. Um, but also, also casting. I mean, I've liked yeah. Ben Affleck in a lot of things, but he, you know... You know, people talk about Michael Sarah all the time, like, oh, he plays the same role in every mm-hmm. movie, but it's like, yeah, but he's really good at it. Like, I yeah. could see him play that role, or variation of that role, because that's not entirely true, actually. I mean, George Michael and uh, Scott Pilgrim are actually pretty far from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand where you're coming from. I could see him play that, that kind of role a lot. Um, it's okay. Mm-hmm not to have a lot of range if you're really good within your range. And so even though I've liked Ben Affleck in a lot of things uh, and I like him as a director, I think that movie was outside of his range. And Jennifer Lopez as well. I mean... I think he's... I I don't think either of them are monologue type actors. And that's... And there's a lot of... I'd say that's about right. There's a lot of talking for a long time in there Chile. Is. Well, and, and if you want to see a monologue-type actor, you you get to see them in the film. There's a lot of monologues in general, and yeah. you get to see what Pacino does with one. You get to see what Walken does with one. And yeah, so But, of course, miscasting, that is also a part of the execution. As far as the script goes, there is good to be had in it. But And you and I mentioned this, although, of course, there's the, there's the you know retarded kid or 
mentally challenged kid, whatever you want to say. Um, here's uh, the thing. I want to say mentally challenged. You and I will or say mental, mentally challenged. Mentally I have no doubt that the script says retarded. <laughs> um, because that because that's the way the character Who is. Who played him? Justin Bartha. That's what I thought. Um, doing what he can, of they, course. They, sh- they should have locked him on the roof. <laughs> Not because... He's meant yeah, to challenge, took a but turn. Ju- yeah, just because the movie would have been better without that character is all I think. That's meant. true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so, but you and I actually commented how it's pretty infrequent for me to notice when music in a movie is bad. You know what I mean? Like, if it's great, I'll notice. Mm-hmm. But the rest, of the, if it's just mediocre, it's like, okay, it's there. That's it. I don't usually notice it. The music for Gili is so terrible. You, me, and uh, our roommate at the time, Cole, all three Composer of us... Composer of the Battleship Pretension theme song. That's true. All uh, three of us... What's the name of the guy who did our, uh, our logo? The, the, new, the new logo? Well, it's two and a half years old Indeed, yes. Fair enough. Newer. Yeah. Uh, that's Lance Lieber. Just thought we should... It's been a while since we've mentioned him. Fair enough. And we still love that logo. And yeah. It's on. It's on the. A lot uh, of people love that logo. It would appear. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but it's it's on the laptop that I'm looking at right now. So, um, just wanted to say thanks to Lance again. It's been two and a half years since we said thanks. Yeah, we got a lot of mileage. Using it. We got a lot of mileage out of that thing that was given to us for free. Yeah. So thank you, Lance. Thank you very much, sir. Check him out by googling Lance Weaver. Apparently, you can find him on Facebook. I think, and and there's uh, a lot of his uh, work on his Facebook page. Okay. But um. But yeah, and so like that's a movie that the script, of course, the script need work needed work. It was imperfect, but there were some good lines, good monologues in there, and with different casting, different scoring, of course, mm-hmm. and just the uh, the general attitude seemed so strange. It could have been good, but the craftsmanship, or I guess lack of craftsmanship, just completely ruined it. If someone else had directed that script, it probably would have. People still would have said like, ah, I don't like this mentally challenged character. But I feel like they might have given the film, they would have said, like, eh, it's, you know, whatever. But for it to really have been viewed as terrible um, as it is, like a, like one of the worst movies of all time, certainly of the last ten years, uh, that is a special level of incompetence when it comes to the craftsmanship. Um, what do you think is the worst movie of the last ten years? Oh, jeez. Uh, I've, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. Okay. I would have to look at like my lists over the last yeah. ten years, but because uh, yeah. there's a difference between movies that I think are just really really bad and mm. movies that I hate. Like I hate the life of David Gale. That is a terrible terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Good acting, uh, you know, and the actors are all trying their their hardest, and and it's relatively well. Well, there, here's a good example. Like the content of it is so horrible because they try to take and this is. You'll find this a lot where they try to take an issue, which is, of course, the death penalty, and they try to incorporate it into a genre film. You can do that, I guess, as long as you are willing to emphasize the genre more than the issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you try to balance them out, then it's just going to be like, oh, right, we're back to the... Wait, we're back to the mystery? <laughs> or like, hey, what... Why are you stopping to lecture? Don't you know there's a killer or something? <laughs> like, it's just there's 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 it doesn't find the the right balance, which is to say to put the weight on one side. Um, I would say that's a movie that I that I hate, even though I think there are worse movies out there. Yeah, I, like my example was going to be not that this worst movie the last ten years, but while I know that movies by like like the Seltzer Freeberg comedies oh, are yeah. awful. Um, and again, I'm not doing this to get more 
hate mail or emails, but I had a more visceral reaction against Inception last mm-hmm. year. Um, you wouldn't say it was the worst. No, I, I, you know, okay. I said that right, straight off. Right. That's, I don't think that's the worst movie okay. the last 10 years. The worst movie the last 10 years is probably 300. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to get emails from our geeky listeners, so let me uh, denigrate 300. Um, what? One of the worst movies I've ever seen, by and, the way. Uh, but okay, go ahead. Did you want to talk to me about 300 before I move on to Inception? Well, I wanted to incorporate 300 into the topic. Well, let me talk about Inception okay. real quick, because I think Christopher Nolan is... A fantastic, a fantastic craftsman. He's so good at craft that I didn't even notice the first time I watched The Dark Knight how cre- creaky a lot of that dialogue yeah. is. Um, yeah, clunky and groany. I, I still think I watched a bunch of The Dark Knight just the other day. It was on TNT. I still think it's a really, really great movie. Yeah, probably. This is a conversation I was having with a friend of the sort of modern, like starting, like. 2000 on like superhero movement what are the actual good movies superhero movies and i came up with four x-men 2 spider-man 2 iron man dark knight uh oh. batman begins is also great yeah i wouldn't put iron man in there iron man is good but not up not up on those yeah to me it's, it's X-Men not 2, as- spider-man 2 and both of the christopher nolan batman movies and i like i like iron man about as much as i like x-men the first x-men and the first spider-man like the I like all three of those movies. I like more than I don't, but at the end of the day, it's like yeah, that was pretty good. Kind of, kind of didn't all work out though. I gotta say though, like as far as it, it shows you just how strong casting, a casting choice can be mixed with, of course, good writing. I mean, as far as just sheer charisma and watchability, and you're rooting for him. Like I'm rooting for Tony Stark more than I'm rooting for Peter Parker more than I'm rooting for Bruce Wayne more than I'm rooting for even, a, you know, Wolverine, because there's just something to that. Like, his character, he's almost like Jack Sparrow. That character, written that way and played that way, in a movie that is good, elevates it to, I think, great. But that's, I think that's me. The three that I just mentioned as being good but not great for me are all origin stories, and I think part of it is that in all three of those movies, I find it kind of unbelievable that they go from being who they are at the beginning to not only becoming a superhero, but also defeating the bad guy and saving the world. Like, it seems like a big leap to make in 90 to 120 minutes, you know? And so this in all three, the final showdowns, all three of those movies, I'd say my biggest problem with them are the final showdowns with the bad guy because they... They fall flat to me because I've been spend, spending more, usually spending more time with the development of this character uh, into a superhero than I have been with the supervillain plot. I'd say that's about right. Although I, the 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 fight between uh, Iron Man and uh, Iron Monger, I guess, is officially the name of that big robot. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sorry, the big suit. Uh, that was bothersome to me, but the emotional because resonance between. Jeff Bridges and Robert Downey Jr. because they have the history and there's the betrayal there that kept me going. So I but I guess this goes this does go back to the the topic which I still was, want to get back to Inception. But go ahead. Okay, that this gets back to the topic and that the the content of that fight it carried me through the craftsmanship of that fight because I feel like it had earned it because we saw Tony Stark in those caves and it did certainly seem like a life-changing thing it's they spent enough time in the cave for it to seem like he would probably change after that and his change 
he doesn't change his whole personality. It just he has a slightly not slightly a great a, a different outlook on life, but he himself is still the same and I feel like that's the key. But also we spend enough time seeing what his and Jeff Bridges' relationship used to be. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that even what it used to be isn't what it is because Bridges was always scheming to get this guy out. And therein lay the betrayal. We feel betrayed um, along with Tony Stark. And so even though the the fight at the end is clunky, I'm still invested. I think the reason I have trouble being invested in the fight at the end is because and when we had Josh Fadum on a, you know last month, I defended CG when it's mm-hmm. used well. But I feel like... That entire huge set piece, <coughs> the parts that actually <laughs> that Robert Downey Jr. and Jeff Bridges actually had to do for that seemed like they could have been done in less than a full day of work. Probably, like it's, yeah. It's uh, uh, so I couldn't I couldn't connect because I just felt like I know this is a common complaint, but it felt like a video game to me. Um, Although to John Favreau's credit, he does keep cutting inside the suit so that we see their faces, which is something that, for example, a Michael Bay doesn't yeah. do. Not Michael that there, Bay, any, not that there are any faces inside the Transformers, but like for him, Michael Bay does is, does not care about people. He doesn't care. I would say I he doesn't think, care about humanity in films. Yeah, um, I actually had this discussion online with uh, our friend uh, Rudy from the Autour cast. Uh, Rudy Obias, um, about my problems with Michael Bay and and also what fascinates me about him and that he mm-hmm. is sort of anti-humanist. Like, his movies are about uh, a sort of fascistic adherence <laughs> to technology and weaponry and machinery. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... He gives the, the uh, sort of glamour shots or hero shots or whatever that starlets used to get in in 30s and 40s films he gives to machines so you're saying that basically it was only a matter of time before he directed transformers yeah, like that by the time someone said hey we should do transformers he was like how have i not thought of this <laughs> beforehand finally do we have to have people in it all right fair enough <laughs> um um but anyway, let's uh yeah, Inception um I yeah, I like I said Christopher Nolan is a fantastic craftsman and there's uh a lot of great craft to mm-hmm. Inception. The way that it uh the way that it looks and the way that it that it moves um helps but uh my problem my main problem was is with the content that it it is um Unlike The Dark Knight, where he could overcome the not-great dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, the not-great dialogue takes center stage in Inception. And not only is it not good, but I'm also... I don't want to be mean, but it is, like... Inception is a really stupid movie, is the thing. And made its, its stupidity is thrown into a harsh light... Because it thinks it's so smart, and is not only, but I feel like I feel like the movie isn't even convinced that it's smart because it keeps telling you how smart it is. It, 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 it I, I felt like it was two and a half hours of the movie trying to convince me of how deep and smart it was. Uh, that last part I agree with uh, definitely, um, because as time has gone on, I've actually liked it less. Maybe it's because you won't stop talking about it, but uh, <laughs> the 
But it's because, like, I'm... It's not, like... It's a perfect, almost a perfect movie for this conversation because if I'm flipping through channels, right, mm. and I see that HBO or Showtime is showing 300, I'm going to keep on going. Okay. But lately, HBO has been showing Inception, and I haven't watched it at any length, but I'm still interested to look at it. Yeah. You know, I can watch a few scenes of Inception because it is, is – it, Christopher Nolan is a good director in that way. It's compelling to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Compelling to watch, not so much to listen to, you're saying. Yeah, for the most part. But I mean, it, it, the sound design is good, but as far as the dialogue, yeah, yeah I feel but, like um, the, I also want to say, uh, the Dark Knight moves better than Inception. Um, that uh, I know it worked for some people. The van falling off a bridge for an hour and a half, mm. it it had the opposite of the intended effect on me, and uh, so I guess that's just a matter of taste. I think it also has to do with how invested you are in the characters, and you're much more. Partially because and the Batman, premise, I guess, at that point, premise and characters, and we've got Batman, Alfred, Gordon, Joker, Dent. Like we've got a lot of people that we are, we have a history with from the old film, as well as culture, and and what the film has done, so that uh, we're much more interested in what's going on. Whereas yeah. everyone that really only- is has first off not been explored very well as a character, yeah. and B is fucking asleep. <laughs> there is something i think we said this when pat francis was on the show there, there's something about the fact that she's like man even the characters can't stay awake <laughs> through this thing um but uh no i i actually you know i still like inception because but i think the the cons the concept well let's let's do this how far are we into the episode by the way 58 minutes okay See if we can wrap this up in 15. Um, okay, I think we can do it. I, I still want to get to 300, though. You yeah. had something to say about it. Yeah, and I want to get to Avatar. Because um, okay. I feel like Avatar is the perfect example of what we're talking about, just as you think Inception is. But, um, or at least for me. But uh, Good, I can argue Avatar, because I loved it. Okay. So. And that's the thing, is I can't argue Inception, because I didn't. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's... When you say content because craftsmanship we've talked about on the show before when you say content how do you define that that's that's interesting because i that's an interesting question because i feel like i have over the course of this 58 minutes defined it a couple different ways okay uh for different movies um but i, I guess it's to me what and this is going to sound lofty, whatever the filmmaker is trying to say or thinks his movie is about, his or her movie. Okay. Sorry, that was... and I don't normally do that. I try to be gender neutral here. Oh, okay. But I'm thinking of Stuart Gordon and mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan and all these men. Um, so I guess that's... But it's not always that, like I say, lofty. I mean, sometimes it's a kind of like, you know, we've talked about dirty work probably we probably talked about dirty work on the first episode of the show um, we've talked about it more than the movies that we cite as our favorite movies yeah which leads me to believe i think dirty work is our favorite movie as if you and i were one person uh-huh. so it is the, <laughs> it's the favorite movie of battleship in pretension. the middle of the venn diagram <laughs> um uh yeah and that's um that's uh, yeah i don't think that movie has a lot is trying to say a lot but <laughs> no it um <coughs> uh but it's sort of 
I'm trying to think what the word I'm looking for is. It's character. It's personality. It's viewpoint, I guess. Okay. It's stance on the world. It's take, I guess, on the world. Okay. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. I guess I just had to flip through my mental thesaurus and yeah, I yeah. got to the word I was looking for. But I guess, yeah, the um, I guess the movie's take on the world in which it exists is kind of a loose definition of what I mean by the content. And I will follow that question up with another one. So we're talking about content and cra- and craftsmanship, not verses, by the way. But um, so content is a lofty concept. It's a, it's basically abstract. Uh-huh. What elements of craftsmanship automatically gets get pulled into the idea of concept? You mean of content? Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, content. Yes. Uh, For you, or also in general, because I think the the attitude. The, well, here you answer say what you're going to say. Well, I think about that. Well, I think that uh, most people, and I don't know if I agree, but I would venture to say that most people, and I don't mean to put this up as a straw man, because I think there's an argument to be made for this. Most people would incorporate dialogue into content rather and than I craftsmanship. Have, with Inception, yeah, and I and I, but feel I guess like, there's a difference between. Um, uh, I guess the dialogue in, in Inception has two problems. Then, for mm-hmm. me, it's on a craft standpoint, it's not very good. Right, dialogue, it's not just not at best functional. Yeah, um, but then on a content standpoint, it's the stuff they're talking about and the way they're saying it. So See, I guess content. I mean, dialogue is both because there's syntax involved, mm-hmm. um, and there's an interplay, a dialogue, and it's uh, you know like like music. You know, it, it's supposed to it's supposed to flow in a certain way, just like a movie is with the editing and and the photography is supposed to flow forward. And so if it doesn't do that, it's not working from a craft standpoint. But mm-hmm. it also can be dialogue that is uh, espousing a viewpoint that is. Um, that doesn't work for me within the movie because I don't necessarily have to agree with a movie, right? Um, to like it, I mean, it helps. I'll, I'll be honest, you know. I mean, I try to be an objective critic, but it it helps if I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it seems consistent, then I'll still give it a pass, mm-hmm. you know. But if it if it is inconsistent, if the if the viewpoint doesn't work, then that's the dialogue failing on a content standpoint. Yeah, and I feel like, because, and, I, and this, I think this is where you and I <clears throat> maybe fundamentally differ uh, with Inception, because my big problem with it is dialogue. I like, I like the visuals, I like the editing, the sound, I like the music. I really like that aspect of it, of the craftsmanship, and I like the concept. But, the di- but a concept like that, unfortunately... And maybe I'm thinking too limited. Maybe I'm thinking I'm uh, dreaming too too small or whatever. Um, whatever that line is. Uh, you yeah. must d- learn to dream much bigger, yeah, right? but that's the only time that it comes up that he could just dream up a grenade launcher. Okay. I mean, if if that's possible, why aren't they all just dreaming up grenade launchers the whole time? They dream up a nuclear weapon and put the... Uh, okay. But uh, <laughs> the, the nature of, what, of, the, of the concept requires a lot of dialogue. Not as much, I think, as Christopher Nolan put in, because, it, even, you know, Jen was pointing this out as her big problem is that, like, every few minutes they had to stop and explain what's going on. It's just like, you know stuff's going on, right? 
Like, you don't have to explain everything. Just run from the guys yeah. with the guns. That Asian guy is bleeding to death. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me the clip notes. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, <coughs> excuse me. And so, so therein lay the problem is there's too much dialogue. And what's more is, like, there's got to be a more artful way. It is, I mean, there are people who say that they're like, oh, I had a hard time. I had a hard time knowing what was going on and that I'm not putting it on them. I'm not saying, well, you're an idiot, but what I will say is just like, well, the director is doing literally everything he can so that you understand everything. Like there is no, uh, we've talked about the, uh, the film and like that there needs to be a certain fluidity to it and a certain abstract quality and a confusing quality because such is the nature of dreams. Uh And this is surprisingly linear and at every step. And I understand that it's literal and very literal. And at every step there is somebody there to explain everything and so like so i feel like i like the concept and from a visual and sound point of view i guess a technical point of view although of course dialogue is just as technical as it is anything else but um those two like those layers i i respond quite favorably to the film but it's that middle layer where well what are people saying in the midst of all this Mm -hmm. and how are they expressing you know because the concept Soon eventually becomes mundane when you reduce it to mundane lines. Yeah. And so I feel like that's one where one aspect of craftsmanship and where it meets content is where is where the film lost me. Um, now, I, what I thought you were getting at earlier when you're talking about content or, or, or craft, I guess, being a part of the content um, is things like Stanley Kubrick, the way that he would build a set because he especially later in his career built everything Mm. uh which is awesome um that's one of the uh sort of arguments for big budget filmmaking that you can do things like 2001 um but the way he would build and decorate and shoot a set that's all content but he's making those aesthetic choices based i mean that's all craft rather making those aesthetic choices Mm -hmm. based on content and there's another thing a movie from last year that you hated probably as much as I hated Inception is The Kids Are All Right. Yep. But there was a sequence that you you and I both loved when Mia Veshkovska gets on the motorcycle with Mark Ruffalo. It's I a wordless yeah. sequence of her just riding a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's not... That whole movie, the camera isn't exactly nailed down. Right. But there's a, there's a freedom and uh, there's an ethereal quality to the way that the camera moves through the air and through the scene there that's very much you know craft as a way of expressing content exactly and yeah i don't mean to say that dialogue is is uh the only way that uh craftsmanship um meets content but in a movie like that unfortunately in a movie like inception unfortunately Mm -hmm. that's the case but yes like that sequence in kids are all right i did enjoy it because i feel like craftsmen in the best movies craftsmanship and content inform each other all the time you know, you can't mm-hmm. in, in movies. There's like movies that are bad where chances are both of them are bad or one of them is so overwhelmingly bad that it cancels out any good in the other. Mm-hmm. Then there then there are movies that I would say are good where either content is really good or craftsmanship is really good. And you're willing to say, well, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is, I think, good. Great, I think, is when you cannot separate the two. Um and that's and that now of course there are problems that I have with kids are all right which is more of a content problem 
um, than a craftsmanship problem. But um, the although I guess it's ah, whatever. Okay, it, it's, <laughs> it, it stems from character. It's fine. But uh, but that sequence is the content of the the girl feeling free and alive, and and also the character, but also her father being. Uh, a free-spirited t- kind of guy. The, 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 the sort of visual, I guess, um, dichotomy of that thing symbolically is that, yeah, they're both free mm-hmm. moving through space and their hair clo- hair flowing or whatever, but they're also closer to each other than they've ever been there. Absolutely. She's grasping onto him, and that way she's very much not free. No. She's, uh, she's both protected and free at the same time, and that's why... That's why that movie, that scene works for me, and that's my number one argument against your argument that the kids aren't a big enough part of the movie, because I think that that stuff does run as a steady undercurrent throughout everything. I think it's just the one scene, but that's fine. <laughs> we, we can move on. Um, but it's a, it is a good example of of the 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 whole film is better for that scene, craftsmanship and content. The craftsmanship in that scene only helps the content of the film. You know, if that scene wasn't there, or let's say they had replaced that with just dialogue between the two characters in which she talks about feeling closer to him or something uh-huh. like that, yeah. then it's like, no, you're not doing justice to it. You can use craftsmanship to serve content, and then you can use the content to inform the craftsmanship. And uh, and I think too often people are willing to settle for one or the other, but you can have both. Okay, we uh, by your rules, we've got... Four minutes to do 300 and Avatar. So let's, let's do 300 real quick. Okay. Well, I was just, I was just really going to ask, like, because uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of 300 either, but that's a film that's it's all craftsmanship. Um, think of that, well, well, that can be disputed, but um, <coughs> what is your big objection to it? I think that what you talked about, how it's all craftsmanship, it's all, another episode we've done before, style over substance. Mm-hmm. But it's not even over, over substance. I think Zack Snyder was so slavish in his adherence to the source material. Yeah. That's my big problem. Um, that he didn't actually consider what the source material is about. You know? I use the word uh, uh, fascist to talk about Michael Bay's approach, but... Uh, Frank Miller, I think, is kind of a fascist. I think it's in some of his other. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the movie Sin City, but there's some stuff in. You haven't seen Sin City? No. Oh. Um, there's. I should lend it to you. I think you would enjoy parts of it. Not really? All, not all of it. Yeah, it doesn't. Sa- it doesn't look like something I would enjoy. It is. Not doesn't seem like my cup of tea. But I, like I said, I keep I keep an open mind. <coughs> um, open enough that if I lend it to you, you'll watch it. I got. That's more of a time thing. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I think when the movie came out, there were a lot of people talking about, you know, what does this say about, you know, what is Zack Snyder saying about the war in Iraq or about, you know, the the Bush administration or, or you know, uh, or just America in terms of, violence or in terms of uh manliness versus uh the very concept of like might makes right and yeah that's yeah yeah and Zack snyder would say like no that's not i didn't mean that and the thing is i think he's 
not lying. I think he didn't mean any of that right. because he didn't even think about it. I don't think, and I think that's the main thing that makes the movie so, again, like Inception, it, and this sounds like a schoolyard taunt, but I really do think, by definition, it's a stupid movie. Uh, it's dumb. <laughs> um, because it doesn't uh, think at all about what it's saying. It's almost irresponsible. So is your problem... Because I'm, I'm let, very me, let, me, let me say this real okay, quick. Okay, go ahead. Um, and this is a little bit off topic, but there's a saying, I don't know where from you know where it originated, but um, the saying that everything is political. And that's Benjamin true. Benjamin Franklin. As Benjamin Franklin? I don't know. I just made okay. that up. Um, it's pro- I think it's probably newer than that. Mm. Um, say Abby Hoffman. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I think that's true. Every sort of choice you make, especially in a democracy is political so when Zack Snyder or anyone attempts to make an apolitical film it's either disingenuous or just plain stupid so I think that's my main complaint with 300 is if the unexamined life is not worth living then the unexamined film is not worth watching well I think somebody can I think someone can make... <laughs> Write that down. Everybody. I know. That's better than that uh, everything's political um, that uh, Franklin said. The, uh, I assumed it and now it's right. Uh, I, I, it's just a fact now. Um, I do think that somebody can try to make a movie that is apolitical and put thought into it. But I think, right. I think, okay. uh, I think stupidity comes with a lack of thought, which based on what you're saying is how is how Zack Snyder approached, I would say, Watchmen and uh 300 and so you actually have more of a problem with the fact that he's just like all right well i'm just going to translate this to the screen and gave no thought to what it is uh, the content of what it is he was he was uh, uh translating you would ha- you have more of a problem with that than if he knew exactly what frank miller was trying to get across agreed with it and wanted to get it out there uh yeah, yeah. okay um just his his refusal you know his refusal to take a stand whether pro or con basically you know allowed allowed a a a viewpoint that he very well might disagree with be put out there as if he is washing his hands of that just yeah, like hey i'm he just, just almost just, like i'm just the messenger to a certain he, I don't extent think he's even thinking of the message the message to him is the speed ramping and the blood splatter. I just mean if somebody were to come cool. to him and say, well, the movie's about this. And he's like, well, uh, that, take it up with Miller right. is yeah, what he would maybe. say. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, and so that's interesting. So that's why I don't like 300 On to avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Okay. Um, yeah. That's one where dialogue's terrible, of course. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, oh my gosh. Well, let me, uh, let okay, me go ahead. defend it first then. <laughs> A pre-defense. Okay. Opening statements. Pre-defense. <laughs> pre-defense. Um, <laughs> That's when you mark on your territory, right? Where you want everything to go? Yeah. Um, you, yeah. Um, all right. I was trying to think of something to say. Or you make a defense of Steve Prefontaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Back to what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sorry. These are all very funny jokes, but you make me lose my train of thought. We're, an, we're an hour and 15 minutes in here. Um, plus the you know the theme song, uh, so uh, that's okay. right. We're putting in the eight minute theme this time. <laughs> uh, Avatar. 
people, a lot of people have problems with the content. I know you have problems with I the do. content. But the thing to me, the reason it doesn't bother me is because that stuff that the movie's about is not really what the movie's about to me. Okay. Um, and I think even James Cameron might disagree with me. I he think he might would, yes. Think he's, he thinks he's making a movie that's a, a political environmental statement. But, you know, sometimes the muse speaks through you and you don't even really know what you're saying. Um, because um, what Avatar really is to me is a movie about the things that are in us that are <coughs> primal. That the, 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 the things that are animalistic in the best sense. It, it, the, the, the pure need the desire for for love and the wanting to fly i think is something that is uh symbolically works and is actually just literally true i think people would like to be able to fly and i think that's sort of natural within us mm-hmm. and um just so dreaming and just running and movement and the beauty of the world uh that's what avatar taps into for me and that's that's what the content is for me and all the stuff that's admittedly patronizing and um shallow uh, about the environmental messages is surface level for me and i and it's easy for me to get over it and i think that's and i think that's uh that's fine for you to like that and here's here's my problem why I can't is that let's say the film was was silent, which quite frankly and to his credit it could have been. Mm-hmm. Like he could have he could have gone, uh, you know, the illusionist with it and had mm-hmm. you know just almost pure visuals and still told the same story. By the way, he could have done that. Um, he wouldn't have, and why, why would anybody do that? But <laughs> as far as like a big budget, you know, uh, blockbuster. Yeah. But um, but and and so and if he had done that. You know, it played down the dialogue. Characters basically the same. The the arc of the sto- of the characters is the same, and the visual is the same. Then I would say yes, that it can very much be about that. In fact, it could be about any number of things. But the fact that he infringes on letting you decide what you want it to be about something that, uh, admittedly, a beautiful vision, uh-huh. um, and it, just a world of imagination. Um, the fact that he doesn't let that speak for itself. He's going to speak for it. And this, by the way, is what he wants to say. And in case you didn't know it, and in case you don't get it, I will spell it out. He'll spell it out in the the most obvious, <laughs> ridiculous, and as you said, patronizing terms. And so it's one of those things like, we've talked in the past about, um, I don't like, I have a hard time watching interviews with directors and I have a hard time watching directors commentary now because I'm less interested in what the director wanted to do or meant to do. I'm less interested in that than what he actually did. Yeah. And chances are when I watch the movie, I'll be able to tell what the director wanted to do. Even if he didn't succeed in doing it. Yeah. There was a, an article in LA weekly recently, sort of a, in response to, uh, in the film section of LA weekly in, in response to the, largely positive reaction to tree of life mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was sort of this one guy writing about the reasons he doesn't like terrence malick mm-hmm. and for the most part i think his complaints are valid they just don't really uh uh matter to me mm-hmm. but 
he one thing he said that I did that I disagreed with is that he kind of made fun of Malik, like saying he was self important for not doing interviews or press or commenting on his film. Oh, screw that and guy! I, uh, the writer, not Malik. Yeah, I completely disagree. I think. The, literally, the world would be a better place if no filmmakers or actors ever commented on their work. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's uh, I'm actually more okay with actors commenting on it because it's about for them. It's about their own interpretation of a character and how they're making it work, as opposed to pure creativity. Um, but whatever, and of course, intentionality with creativity, because um, I guess there can be intentionality through interpretation but it's not as it, it's not as sweeping as right, just someone right. uh with uh that's purely creative but um but yeah and so the thing is, so i avoid those things and of course when watching avatar i can't avoid it because he put everything that he wants the movie to be so desperately and all the messages that he wants to get across he shoves it into the mouths of the characters quite clunkily and and he doesn't let me decide what i want it to be you know what i mean like i would love to say that the movie was about you know what you what what it's about for you i would love to say oh yes it's you know it it means this to me this is what i took from it because he doesn't allow me to take anything from it he tells me what i'll take from it thank you very much (laughs) and and i think that's my that's my big problem with it like everything else like specific examples i have about like inconsistencies in his philosophy in the film or whatever the case may be those are those are smaller points because the larger thing is that as as wonderful as the craftsmanship is he will not you know he's like uh glenn close in fatal attraction he will not be ignored thank (laughs) you and and i feel like that's my big problem with it um and of course the same can be said by the way of uh i'm gonna go ahead and say every overtly christian film uh, made by a Christian studio is they don't give. Okay, so I was having a conversation with someone who who I won't I won't say his name. Um, who uh, he and I, uh, I. I'm sorry, everybody, for bringing a, a Christian aspect into Wait, it. Was it was it Jesus? Huh? And he he loves Avatar, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I was but I, I was talking with a uh, a fellow Christian. And he said, and he and I have had disagreements in the past about uh, the role of art and and the role of Christian art and the role of Christianity in art. And he said something that man, it uh, rubbed me the wrong way. But I responded, and we wound up having a good, a good discussion about it. So that was fine. But he actually said something to the because we were talking about the movie Pay It Forward, um, which is not a good movie. Um, but he actually said that he thought it was a great movie in that its message got people to think about being selfless. And it's like, okay, fair enough. It's still bad. You know, the, the mm-hmm. filmmaking is, is still clunky. The acting is pretty good. But, like, it's still a pretty clunky movie. Um, and its message comes first because everyone is just saying all this stuff. Uh, and then he actually... Now, of course, Pay It Forward is not a Christian film, but he was talking about God using the film to get people to stop thinking quite so much about themselves and, you know, what they stand to benefit from things. Um and he responded with, uh, God does not make art for art's sake. The implication being it's all about the message and the craftsman. It's all about the content and the craftsmanship is not as important to God. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I came back with, 
well, if it's between doing something to the best of your ability, which, by the way, is a biblical phrase, um, and getting a message across, ideally, you'd want to put the two together. But if you have to make a choice, which one are you going to go with? And to his credit, he said, oh, best of your ability. He's like, okay. And admittedly, the guys who made pay it forward are not Christian, so I don't hold them to that standard. Well, but, you know that? Huh? You know I, that to be true? Uh, you know what? I can't speak to that, but they have not specifically said they are. Okay. So, um, so I will not assume. But, uh, but yeah, and so it, it is interesting because when somebody, whether they be an environmentalist or a Christian or, you know, right-leaning or left-leaning, and they feel they need to get that across, I mean, it's... It, when they have a very specific agenda, like a very tangible agenda, it's one thing to get us to think about, you know, our primal urges or whatever the case may be, um, as you were talking about, which is a kind of a broad thing that we can all relate to. When it is trying to change the mind of a specific group of people, um, I think then you are, you have to be one of the best and most subtle filmmakers in the world to make, to be able to balance content and craftsmanship at that point because chances are when you so badly want that to happen the content is absolutely going to overwhelm the craftsmanship and it's going to make for a terrible movie that i don't find it doesn't matter what the person i could like you said i could agree completely with what they're saying as i sometimes sometimes do with christian films but who gives a shit like this (laughs) is how if this is how you're going to do it I start to wonder if I'm on the right side. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know. And so I feel like when someone starts getting, I don't know, really specific with what they want to get across, I don't know. I guess I can't fault them, but you, you need, you can't just, you can't do it half-assed like a movie, like uh, lions for lambs, for example, a movie that you and I went and saw. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that uh, was a slight tangent. Better than Avatar? Or worse? But worse. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Just wondering. No, Avatar still has the visuals. Okay. And Lance Flams has, admittedly, Meryl Streep. Yay. But, you know, she's not, uh, you know, the freaking Triceratops or whatever. Yeah. Or the rhinoceros. Kevin Dunn, though. <laughs> Pretty good. He's, I like that Kevin and he's Dunn. he's also kind of a rhinoceros. Yeah, all right. Fair I have enough. no idea what that means. <laughs> On that note, <coughs> we're going to wrap it up here. Um, like I said, uh, if you've got relationship or sex advice questions, seriously, I don't want anything to, like, nothing to, like... Yeah, we're not, it's not savage love. Yeah, and also, like, I'm not a psychiatrist. Like, if you've got problems that you need to take to a psychiatrist, just take them there. You if know? you want to hear glib but witty movie-related answers, shoot yeah. it our way. Yeah. Um, so relationship or sex advice um, for uh, Pilar Alessandra for our Pilar Talk uh, <laughs> segment. Uh, email that to me at david at battleshipretention.com. If you're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con or just in San Diego on Thursday, July 21st. Oh. Easy I, there. I turned first into a two-syllable word. First. <laughs> um, th- Thursday, th- Thursday, July 21st, um, around 8 p.m., come to the Tipsy Crow. Yeah, if you're just in the area... San Diego, just drive down. You could just like, probably find street parking. No problem, <laughs> right there. Um, Maybe throw a quarter or two in the meter. Yeah, no, d- yeah. Arrange to get if you're <laughs> arrange to get down there somehow because it is tough to park. Uh, yeah, so come to and join me and uh, Ryan Gallagher from Criterion Cast for our little meetup um, 
I know there's all kinds of events going on at Comic-Con all the time, so we're not expecting, you know, to blow the doors off the place. Um, but it'll be fun to hang out and have some drinks. And maybe if... Now, last year, there was Wii. We played Wii at the Tipsy Crow. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, there was a Nintendo Wii, and we I didn't play because I don't... I'm not really into video games. But uh, if that's an enticement to you that there might be Wii again this year, um, Thursday, July 21st, around 8 p.m. at the Tipsy Crow. Um, other than that, I think we're done here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, an hour and 28. 13 plus, minutes pl- over? Plus the theme song. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, All right. 25 minutes About over. two hours. Right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And hey, what? Yeah, you, you, your, you pause. What about your thing? Oh, yeah, that's right. What uh, the hell? Too all many, right. too many guests. That's yeah. all I've got to say. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. You can find me at. When is it? Uh, I think you can. You can find us at. That's you can right. Email us that's at right. Battleship or something that's like right. that. That's right. You think we I t- would we, remember? We, by the way, we weren't here. We weren't here last week. Right. I mean, we had an episode up, but we we it was recorded weeks ago. Um, and I've done two episodes of my other podcast and I keep wanting to do that because I do a wrap up there too. So I got to get into the, well, don't do that. Here we go. Okay. You can find us at battleshippretension.com or in iTunes or email us David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash the pretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at more than one lesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other aforementioned show, uh, the weekly television review podcast, previously on at previouslyonshow.com or coincidentally in iTunes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. And uh, we'll get you next time. I'm going to stop it right at an hour and 30. <laughs>